Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And God. And they are the city of champions again. Edmonton Eskimos. Great cup champs. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time, he wins it. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. And a good Thursday morning to you on September 21st. Uh, as we like to call it around here, Sol 13. And boy, it was a little chilly. Three degrees. Uh, you could kind of see your breath out there. Um, the Duke of Delburn, let's welcome him in. Uh, did you uh, have a little uh, chilly drive-in? This was the first day that I could really kind of see my breath leaving the house. Three, de- three degrees, what the thermometer on the truck said on the said, yeah. this morning, and there's a little frost still lingering oh. on the uh, tonneau cover on, out in the street parking. So, yeah, it's, oh. uh, I think fall is uh, kind of officially set in here this Which morning. Which means hockey season is here, and it starts today with Oilers training camp. I'm sure everyone is just totally jacked and excited to get things going. The Oilers will get uh, underway this morning downtown at the um, Rogers place and the downtown community center to, with uh, both ice surfaces uh, kind of going they got okay basically two groups so things start at 9 30 this morning uh and then that'll go for about an hour and a half and then you have a little bit of a regroup and then group number two goes from noon to 1 30 so um that's kind of how camp goes for a, a few days before the first preseason game and that's a Sunday when the Winnipeg Jets are here at Rogers uh, that's a 4 p.m. puck drop and then the Oilers move on to Winnipeg uh, and play there Monday but um, as far as when you look at the training camp roster group number one is very veteran heavy very veteran heavy so uh, you're going to see most of the players on the ice in the first uh, first uh, session all veterans um Basically, pretty well everyone on that roster is going to be here pretty well. Uh, group two, that's the group where you kind of have to do something to get noticed. There's a few guys out there um, that are a little in a different scenario, uh, maybe a guy like uh, uh, Drake Kajula, but for the most part, those are guys that uh, want to make something happen, do something uh, to 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 get the eyes get the eyeballs on them so um looking forward to it uh, i'll be heading down there after the show today i'm sure jason Greger will be down there uh as well after group one to conduct some uh interviews and and, and things like that so really excited uh what do you think our listeners would be camp storylines what is your number one number two storyline shoot us off a text 1-833-401-1440 1-833-401-1440 camp storylines preseason storylines what say you duke what do you uh, have you got something on and by the way how is how's the duke of delburn been treat, treating you like when you're walking down the street are people going hey there goes the duke is that is that what's happening now or what no i i don't think i've yet to reach <laughs> that uh level of notoriety in the community or the city here and, and that's probably a good thing i'm uh, i'm more than happy just being a more um low-key uh personality hey. i guess so that, right. that's fine by me but uh lots of uh lots of texts from friends back home and that i've met over the years uh, that listen to the show religiously saying uh, yeah they love it duke at delbert so that's uh, that's been a good laugh for all of us so you're not exactly coming in like the king of kensington no now no. do you remember that 
You, the king of Kensington? King, all right. This is your homework assignment again for the weekend. Okay. Watch one episode of The King of Kensington with Al Waxman. Was That's, that a, uh, Canadian, it, TV a Canadian, program, Canadian TV show back in the 70s, I believe? Oh boy, that might be tough to, tough to track down. <laughs> you'll, you'll, and you, and the thing is, you're gonna, you'll fall in love with the theme song. You'll fall in love I with. I'm the a th- big theme song guy. Yes. So that's uh, uh, all right. All right, it's on my list, Kev. It's on. You my will list. fall in love with the theme song. So again, so do you have uh, anything in particular you're really going to keep an eye on in the next week or so? Brandon Sutter's standing with the team and and his. Um, a push to make the roster, opening right roster, I guess, as as that fourth-line centerman. Uh, I've said this in the past, but a, a big fan of Brandon Sutter coming through the junior program in Red Deer. Um, yeah. Followed his career closely after being a high draft pick. You know, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Vancouver, bouncing around a little bit. Now kind of back in home territory a little bit. Um, we, I think you were discussing it with Speck uh, earlier this week, saying like he is everything that the Oilers need in that fourth-line spot. Big, can win face-offs, uh, can kind of play in some... Um, high leverage situation, so I'm uh, I'm rooting for him and hoping that he he can perform well and secure himself a spot on the opening night team. Three PTOs: um, Adam Ernie, Sam Gagne, Brandon Sutter. Now we know Sam Gagne's situation really behind the eight ball. Now really, really behind the eight ball. It's going to be very tough uh, for him moving forward here uh, with injuries, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Morning, boys from the Stair Farmer. The storyline for me is how Campbell will do. Uh, Caleb sends a text in. Just uh, who do you think will win the World Series? A little. Uh, baseball, and we're going to talk baseball in the uh, ten o'clock hour with Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News. Uh, covers the Texas Rangers, of course. Uh, the Rangers in a massive battle in the American League West with uh, Houston and Seattle. It could go any way for each of the teams. Uh, anyone can finish first. Um, someone could win the wild card, advance through the wild card, and and you could also not make. Uh, the postseason in the wild card, and that's how tight it is in the West. And, of course, it has massive implications with the Toronto uh, Blue Jays as well. Um, For me, I think uh, uh, bigger storylines for me will be Raphael Lebois and um, how much of a step Dylan Holloway can take. We need uh, to see Dylan Holloway move up uh, from what he was doing last year to take that step to see exactly where he can go, uh, what kind of player he can be. He has all the tools. Um, he has lightning fast speed. Took some big hits last year. Uh, we saw that. And so he needs on ace awareness. It's going to come with being a little more experienced. But I mean, you, you see what's in the toolbox, and he's got everything there. So can he take it to the next level? The Oilers must have um, players that are on that you know, the lower end of the, the salary cap to contribute. All teams that are successful have to have it. They need it or else they are not uh, successful. So uh, group one goes today, 9.30 to 11. Uh, group two goes noon to 1.30. Uh, keep in mind that fan day, and these are closed today, tomorrow, but fan day is at uh, Rogers, and that coincides with the Oil Kings home opener as well on Saturday against the uh, Red Deer Rebels. The Oil Kings are in Red Deer tomorrow night as uh, they kick off the season on the road, but then 
Uh, it all kind of coincides with Fan Day on Saturday, a big extravaganza down in Ice District, etc. So on, on Fan Day, there will be a scrimmage from 11 to 12 at Rogers where fans can watch that. So um, a, a good good opportunity. Um, you know, it's almost, it's like a mini skills competition at the start of the year. So fans get a chance to kind of go down. Uh, the skills competition is always jammed in there with the, you know, proceeds going to, to charity and the uh, Oilers Community Foundation and such. So uh, Saturday is a good chance for fans to kind of uh, check things out. Um, coming up on the big program... We kind of had to mix things up a little bit. Uh, Frank Cervelli had a commitment later in the day. So uh, Frank Cervelli from uh, the Daily Faceoff will uh, join us at 7.20. So a little bit earlier for uh, Big Frank out of Philly. So uh, he will be our uh, Mr. Rooter headliner of the day at 7.20. Uh, really looking forward to our uh, Thursday co-host, Ladislav Schmid, comes in every Thursday 8 to 10. Um, was unbelievable last week. So many comments about... Uh, how that he's doing and where he's been, what he's gone through and, and where he's going. So uh, we'll have Laddie on at uh, 8 and then we'll sort of tag team him uh, with uh, Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice. That's coming up at 8. Uh, 8.20, Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic. He covers the uh, Buffalo Sabres. Lots of questions in Buffalo again. Um, do you like the direction where the Sabres are kind of going, Duke? I mean, they seem to be showing signs and then they take a step back. Move ahead. Take a step back. Yeah, I was I was very vocal last season, uh, kind of around the trade deadline, of for them to make some moves at the deadline, and, and I didn't sell the farm or anything, but bring in a goaltender. There was a couple to be had, some veteran names bouncing around, um, because what they did last season was really remarkable. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle with a few players: Rasmus Dalin, Tage Thompson, career seasons, um, and, and then their the crop of young players. It just seems to refresh every year all of a sudden there's another high draft pick name that's uh, really pushing to crack the roster so uh they really impressed me i have high hopes for them this year they're going to be a team I, I watch very closely they're a lot of fun to watch as well the sabers are very exciting so uh it's just and they brought in a couple more um veteran d-men to help stabilize things in the back end with all their exciting young talent too so yeah very uh very high hopes and i'm going to be interested to hear what matthew has to say uh about mm-hmm. them with also getting camp going this week yeah tage thompson's locked up to the end of the decade i mean that's a big big uh get if you want to call it that he's making and that's when you in the big picture it's it's a it's a team-friendly contract uh um just a little over seven million. So, uh, and they got and, and Dylan Cullen's cousin, same thing. So they, they've they've kind of gone that route where Ottawa is going. I mean, where you lock up the core and to say, you know what, you're a little bit younger, uh, especially cousins. He's younger than Thompson. We're going to give you the money right now. You've shown it to us that you can, uh, you know, you're that type of player. You're an elite player. So we'll give you the cash now and lock you up. By the end of the term, it's probably it's going to be such a value contract, and that's the same in Ottawa. I mean, what did uh, AJ Jackovic say uh, yesterday? Um, you know, same thing. Or was it the day before? I can't remember. Yesterday, 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 yeah. Jackovic AJ was yesterday. Uh, so same thing. Lock up five guys in Ottawa, all around eight million. I mean, that's what teams are doing. There, it's almost like they're following the Alex Anthopoulos model in Atlanta for the Braves. It, and I think it comes down to basically management having faith in their scouting staff, uh, both at the pro level and the amateur level. When when you make selections on these guys with high draft picks, knowing what you're getting and not necessarily taking 
gambles, I guess, uh, and having faith. Like, yeah, we scouted this guy heavily. We know exactly what we have in him. Maybe he hasn't shown his full potential yet, but like you said, cashing in on that opportunity um, to lock them up long term at what is going to be a bargain price in very short order um, as soon as the salary cap goes up uh, expected Mm -hmm. next season. All of a sudden, Ottawa and Buffalo are looking uh, incredibly intelligent because all the core pieces are there for the foreseeable future, and yeah. they're still just on the rise. Like they they haven't even begun to scratch the surface on what either of those groups of young players are, are fully capable of. Text at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Awesome guests and show all week. Everyone's doing an amazing job on fourteen forty. Thank you very much uh, for that. Um, we're we're trying our darndest around here. It's only been week three, and I think uh, things are off to a, a great start. We've got lots of room to grow, uh, but I do agree. Our guests, our co-hosts, whether they be uh, on any show, Low Down with Low Tide or the Jason Greger Show or even you uh, and Connor Halley, the... Former uh, Shep T-Bird. On Fantasy Frenzy have been outstanding. And I mean, and that's a testament to all the hard work you guys are doing behind the scenes to uh, kind of get us those guests. And, and um, uh, I think our listeners have really uh, enjoyed them and have taken notice for sure. 1020, a very interesting guest, someone I'm, I'm not familiar with. Um, and I'm a little bit familiar with what's been going on in the, in the last few years. Uh, but his name is Eric Lowe. He is the ESPN Senior Manager of Programming and Acquisitions. So this would be a guy that goes out, uh, you know, you know, senior manager. He's not, he's not uh, exactly, you know, pushing the broom around ESPN. He's one of the guys that would be going out to get properties, um, figure out what to do with those properties. And, of course, just in the last few years, ESPN has come back on board with the NHL. It was a massive miss in the United States for many years. Um, what are you looking forward to hearing from Eric at uh, 1020, Duke? So Eric's a guest that it comes courtesy of our executive producer, Brad Slater. Shout out to Slats for getting him for us. From from what Brad tells me, Eric is pretty much the guy who is very um, had a heavy hand in ensuring that the Oilers had as many games on national uh, broadcast in the United States as they do this season. It, it is a boatload of them, and, and Eric's gonna has been a, pro, a strong proponent of that down at the ESPN HQ. So I'm interested to hear what he has mm-hmm. to say about um, how he makes those selections, why he's so keen on getting the Oilers in uh, these American homes. You know, outside of the obvious reasons, having the two best players, but yeah. it, it's a tough sell with that Mountain Time Zone um, game starts for the majority of uh, the Oilers games or even Pacific ones as they're in the Pacific Division. Out on the East Coast, they want to get people watching and and making sure they're fully invested in what are the two of the most marketable players in the league because of the fact they're the best players in the league. Well, I mean, back in the day when, you know, the Oilers were rolling through the United States and, and I mean, they were pounding the snot out of everyone. Uh, American viewers, listeners, didn't... They knew about Wayne Gretzky, they knew about Mark Messier, and they knew about all these great players the Oilers had in the 80s, but they didn't get to see them a lot. So it's, I mean, all the games are on right now, and you can find clips, you can find everything. But this is a big um, step, and it's a big um, coup, I guess, for the Oilers organization to have all these games broadcast in the United States. So, uh, so we'll have uh, Eric Lowe on at 1020. Should be some uh, interesting comments. So uh, another jam-packed show. Looking forward to all our guests uh, and having Laddie come on at 8. Uh, when we come back, it'll be our 
Headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Daily Faceoffs, Frank Cervelli on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time to bring in our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Um, at Mr. Reuter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca, and we welcome in Frank Cervelli from Daily Faceoff. Hey, Frank, do you love your uh, intro music or, or what? Yeah, uh, Philadelphia Freedom, it's about as good as it gets. Yeah, for sure. Um, well done, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to have uh, Eric Lowe on from ESPN. He's Senior Manager of Programming and Acquisitions at 1020 today, Frank. And um, one of the reasons, well, the main reason is the amount of Oilers games that will be on in the United States on ESPN this year. It's a lot. It's, uh, I think, 12 total on the main network. Then there's some other ones. Um just to com- comment on that, it's probably for for hockey fans. I think you know they want to see the best, and this has kind of been a long time coming. It's about time. You're right. I mean, you consider that for the longest time when it came to NBC, and I'm not knocking their mm-hmm. programming at all. Um, it actually proved to be pretty popular, but they focus on the big markets in the U.S. regardless of really who was on the ice and how good the team was. It was always Chicago, Philly, Pittsburgh, Boston, New York. It, it was you, you hit all the big markets, and I think it wasn't until ESPN and TNT the rights changed over that there was a much bigger emphasis placed on who the star players are. The fans want to see, regardless of whether the game's in Edmonton, Winnipeg, or on Mars, Fans and hockey fans, true fans, want to see the best players in the world. And to get the Edmonton Oilers on, you know, 12 times this season mm-hmm. could have been 25. Yeah. Um, h- how detrimental do you think it was years and years ago when the NHL and ESPN locked horns? ESPN said, we don't want you, don't care about you. Um, how detrimental was that to the NHL um, not to have that, you know, I mean, they weren't even running highlights for, you know, it was at the end of the shows, things like that. Uh, the, the ESPN didn't care about hockey for a long time. Um, how detrimental was that to the league, you think? Yeah, I think it was pretty significant, Kevin. Um, hockey was kind of, it fell off in a big way. And you know that big brands like ESPN, they market really, you know, first and foremost, things that are on their air, things that they have rights to, and, and rightfully so. But... When it comes to having hockey back, you know, first off, that forced the NHL to scramble and to find a broadcast partner in NBC. And at the time, it was on OLN, Outdoor Life (laughs) Network, which you could barely even find in the U.S. Um, So it forced them to scramble. And now it's great to be back on ESPN, but at the same time, it still gets second billing in a lot of ways because a lot of the games throughout the year that are nationally televised, they're only available on their streaming package, Mm -hmm. ESPN plus. So they're not on the main network really until often enough until after um, the new year and after football season is over. So that part I think is tough uh, for hockey fans. And yes, it's great to have more attention on sports center and great to have more highlights and all those things that come with it. But at the same time, um, the the golden age of Sports Center, those big years from sort of 2004 until mm-hmm. you know people started cutting the cord, 
those days are also gone. So um, the NHL missed out on a significant chunk of airtime, eyeballs, attention, and and really money for a 12 to 15 year period. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Frank Cervelli from Philadelphia, Daily Faceoff uh, joins us now. You know, uh, Frank, the only guy that uh, enjoyed uh, NHL on the OLN network was Louis DeBrusque because he could watch his bow hunting uh, show and then he could watch a game and then watch uh, carp fishing right after it. He was the only guy. There you go. Um, what did you make of uh, Steven Stamkos yesterday coming out in Tampa Bay? Uh, not exactly thrilled with where his contract situation is. I love that it was honest. Um, he's put in a ton to that franchise, like literally given everything that he has. And I think when you look at the two cups that he's helped deliver, um, the rejuvenation in his career over the last two years as he's really continued to push the envelope, now turning 34 this year, I totally understand it from his perspective as to, hey, we know the cap's increasing everyone's sort of being taken care of here that are the marquee players. I maybe feel like for a touch of the last number of years, and by the way, eight years went by in a blink um, because, you know, we're looking at it. I feel like it was yesterday that he was going through the pitch in Toronto and there was all that hysteria. It's amazing how fast eight years goes. But more than that, um, he wants to be taken care of, and I get it. But I'll tell you this. I actually enjoyed the response from Julian Breezebois, their GM, a little bit more. And the reason for that is he was, he was also honest and laid out very clearly for everyone, including Steven Stamkos, who then questioned him publicly, mm-hmm. was we've got a team to build and our bar of success is Stanley Cup championship. We're not handing out, to paraphrase, we're not handing out contracts or read between the lines just to feel good and because it would be great to have Steven Stamkos have a legacy play for another two, three, four years. They're in an awkward transition period. They still have a really good team. Anytime you can ice Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman, uh, Sergachev, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos up front, you're, you know, you've got a great chance to win, but if they don't, make progress this year, meaning if they bow out in the first round again, he's going to have some really difficult decisions to make, and that might start with the captain, who, as mentioned, turns 34 this year. Uh, That's right. And speaking of captains, Brad Marchand uh, named captain in Boston. Not much of a surprise, would you say? Uh, I think it is a little bit of a surprise to me in the sense that This is a guy that has really changed and grown a lot. If you would have told me six, eight years ago when he was busy licking the face of Ryan Callahan (laughs) that suddenly Brad Marchand would become the face of the Boston Bruins and have the torch passed from Zdeno Chara to Patrice Bergeron to him, I probably would have been pretty surprised. But he also went from being a good player in this league to being a superstar. And at the same time, you haven't heard any of those same sort of complaints on the ice. He's played clean. He's avoided suspensions for the most part, and he's totally transformed himself. And I think that says a lot about him uh, growing up. I think that also says a lot about the impact that people like Chara and Bergeron have had on him. And now, 
for the next number of years, he's already 35, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be asked to help uphold the same standard that Chara and Bergeron had in Boston for basically much of this century. Um, but what other choices? Would you go Charlie McAvoy? I mean, Pasternak, where, where, where else are you leaning to there? Any one of those guys probably would have been a, a little bit of an easier choice in the mm-hmm. sense that they're going to be around a lot longer. You know, McAvoy just signed his eight-year deal. Same thing with Pasternak. Um, but I also get it from Boston's perspective. Marshan was a big part of their Stanley Cup win in 2011. He's been there a long time, and you have to take care of the people that are part of your you know, the core fabric identity of your organization. And so um, I think he deserved his, you know, his moment in the sun. Look, Patrice Bergeron was only the Boston Bruins captain for three or four years. It feels like mm-hmm. forever because yes. he's been there for so long, but Chara had held that title. So uh, if it only ends up being three, four, five years for Marshan, whatever the case may be, um, that's okay. And I think you're going to get way more, even more than what he's been giving you. I think in the next couple of years, you're going to get a lot out of Brad Marchand because he's going to take this uh, really, really seriously. And I think you're going to get Bruins a lot of Bruins are an interesting team this year mm-hmm. to watch, I'll tell you that, because well, I don't really know what we're going to get from them. Yeah, well, you know what? We had a um, – what, what about Jake DeBrest? This is a local angle. He's, you know, he's a UFA at the end of the year. They, Jake says there's no talks going on. Is there anything that you've heard going on there? Uh, not yet. I think it's, um, especially after how good of a season DeBrusque had, mm-hmm. I think there's part of an onus on him to prove it. And I also think when you consider what he went through in Boston and how difficult that period of time was under Bruce Cassidy and how different and freeing it was under Jim Montgomery, um, that contract was signed sort of in an interesting place, um, that it was almost designed to help him get out of town, that if what was holding Jake DeBrusque up from getting traded previously was not having a contract, he signs a two-year one with the idea that it would spare a trade. Doesn't happen. The coaching change happens, and it's sort of been this whirlwind where I think the Bruins um, are in a good spot with DeBrusque. I think DeBrusque is, is in a good spot in Boston. And let's see how this year goes for team and player. Text coming in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll get to those a little bit later in the hour. Um, Frank Cervelli of Daily Faceoff is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports fourteen forty. Frank, what do you make of these two games in Australia? Preseason games coming up this weekend between the LA Kings and Arizona. I'm a little bit torn, Kevin. And I'll be totally candid and honest with you. I as as exciting as it is to see hockey played in the Southern Hemisphere for the first time with NHL players, I think there's also a bit of a feel that this is a money grab and that the NHL was written a big check by a promoter in Australia to bring games there and that this is going to be a sort of one-off thing where they see how it goes and, and then move from there. To think that Australia is going to become hockey hotbed, I think, is, is a little bit far-fetched. I know that there is a, a deep and long tradition of hockey in Australia, but it's still small. The country and continent is bigger than the U.S. in landmass, and there's 22 rinks in the entire country. Um, they have a long, long, long way to go, 
and in some ways you could argue that obviously in the geopolitical sphere, you know, things are a bit different now, but that the NHL had really, at least when it went to China, for instance, sunk, sunk its teeth in and made a multi-year commitment and really was working to try and grow the game there. Wayne Gretzky had done camps in China, et cetera, that with such a big population base and growing population that's coming into wealth, it was a really smart play. I don't know that the same arguments can be made for Australia, but I'm never going to fight back or push back against um, continuing to essentially evangelize about a sport that we all love. Yeah, they're just trying to grow it worldwide. I get it. Um, but uh, again, down there, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys actually, um, I'm not sure, you remember Al Hamilton, correct? He used to mm-hmm. play, yeah, Al Hamilton's son. Captain. Yeah, Al Hamilton, uh, his son, uh, Andrew, went down to play there just uh, last year. So just to play down and, you know, experience things down there. So um, one one or two last ones for you. Where, where are you. Have you heard anything with Michael Nylander, uh, sorry, William Nylander and the, and the Maple Leafs as far as where uh, they can go? I mean, again, they're up against it. Every Most teams are up against the cap, but anything uh, new on William Nylander? Uh, nothing new in terms of contract talks. Uh, I think it's been really cordial. I don't think they've really negotiated. Mm-hmm. I think the Nylander camp is pretty comfortable heading into this season without a deal. Um, they know they're in a great spot. He's coming off of an 87-point campaign, 40 goals, and was making under $7 million bucks in terms of his AAV. Um, he's going to cash in in a big way if his numbers are anywhere close to that. And what it might do if he has a season like that is basically force the Toronto Maple Leafs' hand to bring him back and make him a player that they can't afford to lose. That may happen. I think they'd certainly like to have gotten something done already from the Leafs' side. Uh, They don't love the idea that this is a talking point uh, heading into training camp, but I don't think this phases Nylander. And, in fact, I think this is good for team and player. There's a lot of motivation for the player to come out and have a fantastic year. And from the team perspective, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You figure out the, the next part of it later. And uh, you got to be watching uh, Eagles and Bucks this week, uh, Frank? Yeah, Monday night. Uh, another late primetime game, <laughs> uh, but uh, I will certainly be watching. And your son, can he stay up, or is that just a one-off to go to the game? Nah, that's a, that was a one-off. You get a one-time pass for that. <laughs> uh, hey, Frank, uh, and just uh, what's on the ta- on tap for you this weekend? What, uh, what have you been covering? Uh, what will you cover this weekend as far as camps go and things like that? Yeah, I think, Kevin, the big thing is, unfortunately, when you get to this time of year, is keep an eye on injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a big storyline in camp. It always is. There's always something unfortunate that happens, and even just – Stuff on the more minor scale, um, paying attention to Matthias Eckholm and that hip flexor and, mm-hmm. and that information, like, does that become a lingering thing for, for Eckholm, who I think that was maybe one of the risks in trading for him. Yes, you got a player with term um, and someone who, for the most part in his career, had been pretty durable, but is also, you know, on the wrong side of 30. And for a big guy like him, these things begin to add up. So, Uh, keeping an eye on things like that. Well, enjoy the weekend. Uh, Appreciate your time. Thanks for this, Frank. Uh, Have a great weekend. 
Have a good one, Kevin. All right. That's uh, our headliner of the day, Frank Saravelli, uh, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. And did you know, Duke, that you should insulate your exposed pipes in unheated areas such as basements, crawl spaces, and attics to pre- prevent freezing? Did you know that, Duke? If I were to say <laughs> yes, I don't know if I'd be telling the truth, but like it makes tons yeah. of sense, right? It's a little bit, uh, if you kind of stop and like double think some of these things, some of them are like really uh, common sense, but they kind of just go over our head because we don't think about them. And that's exactly what our friends at Mr. Root are here for, to help remind us of these important things. Well, okay. In the basements, in older houses, a lot of the copper pipes and... In the newer houses, they use PEX now, right? You know, it's a kind of a plastic line. In the older houses, the copper lines were very close to the foundation. So they brought, came out with a product years ago. It was basically a long tube of styrofoam condensed with a slit down the middle, and you could wrap it around the pipe. And they still sell them. I mean, various sizes too. So that's our Mr. Rooter tip of the day. Maybe you'll, you might have to get some of those out in the barn in Delburn. Who knows? Uh, when we come back, we'll get to some of your texts. Top of the hour, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark. Uh, this is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Earth, wind, and fire, Duke, right? Yes. Well, one for one so far today. Love it. <laughs> Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty from Harry. Poor stammer, underpaid, underappreciated. Uh, then he says because uh, we were talking about um, with Frank Cervelli, the NHL with uh, two games in Australia this weekend. The LA Kings take on the Arizona Coyotes. Twenty two rinks uh, in Arizona. Sounds like California. Well, just think how much the game has grown in California. Since 1988, when Wayne Gretzky was traded, you got all the teams there. You've got um, an explosion of hockey, really, in California, when you think about it. And you've got kids that, you know, in the 90s that were born in the 90s after watching Wayne Gretzky and their parents and and um, then ended up to move on to the NHL. And um, it's a good thing. Uh, freezer bag, he, he really gives it to us a lot of the times. Um uh, would he rather they go to China or Russia from the freezer bag? So here's one for your freezer bag. Well, the NHL has already made a foray into China. We know everything about Russia, KHL, yada, yada. But on a couple of occasions, they've gone to China and had games there uh, in the past. It's been a, a few years now. But... The one thing that I always recall when the officials in China were talking about these games that were played there, or even when they broadcast games, they'd say, oh, only, I don't know, only 2 million people watched the game. While everyone in the NHL went, uh, their ears perked up, their eyebrows raised, because when you got a country of whatever, a billion and some people, uh, if you can get a bit of a toehold of your league and for television, for growth of the game, um, China is a massive, massive uh, opportunity for the NHL to grow the game exponentially. It's massive. Uh, King of Fort Nasty texts in, 
Good morning, KK and Duke. I was trying to think of something witty to text in this morning, but I'm a little off my game as I only got 11 hours of sleep last night. Duke, uh, can you explain to our listeners a little context behind that text? Yeah, in case anybody missed it, um, uh, not last night's game, but the previous day's uh, Blue Jays affair versus the Yankees in New York. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi uh, exited the game a little earlier than maybe would have been thought based on how he was pitching, how the game was going, and uh, afterwards um, saying that it was because a lack of sleep uh, causing some neck issues, and so therefore the durability and um, uh, length that Kikuchi was able to provide was limited. Um, it it kind of got run away in the media a little bit uh, as Kikuchi said something about you know only getting 11 hours of sleep. And I know Gregor went on a big rant about it last night, <laughs> and basically it all boiled down to uh, Scotty Mitchell of TSN, who's very in touch with um, mm-hmm. everything Blue Jays. Uh, he came out and said yesterday, or tweeted out yesterday, saying that apparently it was actually like Kikuchi's being sarcastic and just because of um, his inflection and, you know, English being a second <laughs> language, it kind of got lost in uh, not translation because it was in English, but basically, yeah, it was just, uh, it was meant to be as a joke, the 11 hours of sleep thing. So take that for what it's worth. But yeah, great, uh, a great text from King of Fort Nasty. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to see the King of Fort Nasty tonight <laughs> oh, really? at the uh, uh, Fort Saskatchewan Brew House. He comes out? Well, I, I'm in Fort Saskatchewan yeah. tonight at the Brew House well, for hosting Thursday Night Football. So if he didn't swing by, I'd be pretty disappointed. Okay. Get out there. We need you. Um, and Gregor was kind of talking about uh, Vladimir Guerrero not sleeping. I, or was I missing something yesterday? I, I, so I was still here, yeah. and so I only hear it um, kind of partly out the yeah. studio door as I'm finishing up my work for the day out in kind of the, the uh-huh. bullpen, if you will, here of our <laughs> uh, our lovely studios at West Edmonton Mall and courtesy of Stingray. But, uh, but I think he was talking about uh, Kikuchi and just basically kind of uh, they made light of it saying, you know, imagine only getting 11 hours of sleep and a lot of texting, you know, dealing with kids and life and work and 11 hours uh, seems like a luxury. One And basically saying, like, could you sleep 11 hours if you tried mm-hmm. to straight? And basically the answer is no. no. I, I, even, even last night I went to bed super early. I like to try and get a full night uh, before our big mornings here. Um, and ba- like... Six and a half, seven hours is about like the longest I can mm-hmm. sleep consecutively. And even that is pretty rare for me. Well, you would think, some might think Vladimir Guerrero has been sleeping 11 hours a day during the games uh, this year. However, he has come on a little bit in the last uh, week or so. He did not play last night. Uh, was 0 for 5 Monday night. Didn't play last night as the Blue Jays beat the Red Sox. That's their fifth win in a row, by the way, after losing that series to uh, uh, Texas. Uh Guerrero had an MRI yesterday. Results will be revealed um, today. So, uh, you know, I think Freezer Bag and I are going to have a long, fruitful, lasting relationship. He chimes in. My point was, why is Frank so upset about Australia getting to see a couple of games? I don't think Frank was upset about it. Um, it's a long way to go for a couple of games, just as it was to China and things like that. Um uh, <sighs> I, I like the idea. I think anytime you can keep continuing to grow the game, um, I also think you have to kind of take care of your own backyard first. Uh, let's worry about uh, making sure all the markets are healthy, um, especially in the United States. Obviously, everything in Canada, the revenue is very good to excellent in the Canadian markets. For a while there, the U.S. markets were carrying the Canadian markets. Uh, that's not the case anymore. The Canadian markets have 
uh, helped out many, many American markets uh, moving forward. Um, Harry checks in. Quebec, Quebec, Quebec. Well, um, obviously a possibility. I, I mean, I don't know how true the talks were with Gary Bettman talking about Atlanta again. I mean, can't go there again. Can't go there. Um, I remember sitting on a, uh, when I was lucky enough to do um, Oiler games years ago, sitting on uh, in, in a little uh, hotel bar with Patrick LaForge, who was then president of the Oilers, and Cal Nichols, who was basically the chairman uh, with the investors group. And Patrick LaForge looked at me and said, where do you think, and this would be probably 2000 and five or 2000 and well it wouldn't be 2005 because of the lockout but probably around 2006 maybe the, the year the Oilers went to the cup final and Patrick LaForge said where do you think that the NHL should expand for the next expansion and I said you know I, I said all the, the, the standard ones well you're going to go down to the states da 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 and Patrick LaForge first answer was Toronto market Mississauga somewhere in there and I go well give me your reasoning and he goes when you go out and buy a coffee and there's a Starbucks on the corner and there's a lineup 20 people around the corner to buy a coffee at 6 in the morning at Starbucks what do they do they build another Starbucks on the other side of the street when he explained it to me that way it was made a lot of sense made a lot of sense so Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Freezer bag and I will be going at it all morning. Love it when the media gets trolled by athletes. Uh, uh, Harry's hoping that it's Quebec, Quebec. Northside Norm says my wife can sleep twelve hours. Well, <laughs> maybe. Do you think that has anything to do with you, Norm? <laughs> um, this one comes in. Uh, in the U.S. Marines now, you have to get seven to eight hours of sleep or you're not allowed to be on duty. I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Have you heard that, Duke? Uh, have I heard it? No. Does it make sense? I guess. I, I mean, like, not when you're on active duty, I would think, because you, that seems like uh, that wouldn't be possible hmm. if you're, you know, deployed or something. But but remember the old commercial they would go on they'd have all these guys and girls and women doing crazy stuff and then they'd say the US Marines we do more before 6am than everyone in the world does or whatever well, maybe they go to bed really early if they're doing all that before 6am and still getting 7 to 8 hours of sleep I will say there are certain professions where I certainly hope that they are getting you know 7 to 8 hours of sleep per night pilots yes. um surgeons some of these jobs that require quite a bit of finesse and lives are uh, in your hands, you know, um, e- even like city bus drivers. I sure hope uh, people that are relying on public transit every day aren't mm-hmm. being trucked around by somebody who uh, who unfortunately only got in a few winks the <laughs> night before because driving those things is no small task. We know how bad the traffic is even a city like Edmonton, let alone bigger metropolis areas. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of jobs where I certainly hope that uh, they're getting as much sleep as they need. But the Marines mandating seven, eight hours of sleep? 
that seems like unrealistic based on how much they have to do. <laughs> what about broadcasters? Do you think, you know, is there I, a I don't amount? think there's a single broadcaster <laughs> out there that's getting uh, seven to eight hours of sleep between uh, whether you're like a play by play guy on the road all the time or, um, you know, in, 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 put yourself in our shoes. We have to be here at the studios, you know, we yeah. like to be here by about quarter after six in the morning on air at seven. These games, Oilers games, yeah. don't end until. You know, 10, 10, o'clock. 10 11 yeah. o'clock sometimes. So it's uh, you got to manage your time well. Take advantage of the, the sleep when you can get it. Have you, do you have an app at all? You... It's certain some days, like if uh, right when I get home, um, when I leave the studios here about 2, uh, 2 33 o'clock, I'll get home, have a quick 20 minute power nap, and then get back up, book the next day's show, make graphics, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. I, uh, I kind of do off air uh, activity prep for the next day, but. Not every day. You know, that's the question I get uh, around town. I, I went out for a walk with a dog and, you know, just a guy in the neighborhood said, you know, how, what do you, how do you like the new hours? Like, you know, because again, 33 years I worked till midnight. So my shift was 3 o'clock till 12, save for the last 3, 4 months at Global. Uh, worked till midnight for 33 years, was on the anchor desk at 11 every night where, again, that's when you had to be your sharpest. You, and... Uh, no matter what kind of day you had, how tired you were, but at 11 o'clock or 11.20, you had to be at your very best. So um, we'll see what shakes down. Oh, here comes Ladislav Schmid. Give me one minute, Laddie. He's just knocking on the door. Uh, uh, this uh, sports update is uh, brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location and get 50% off wings with a Sports 1440 update. Here is the Duke.